Welcome everyone to another edition of Steel and Whiskey. I'm Doug Evans. And I'm Michelle McCarthy. And today we have Ryan Wonderly joining us, representing the NISD, National Institute of Steel Detailers. Yes. Is that right, Ryan? Make sure I got it right. Welcome, Ryan. Yeah. Ryan well, also guys. is the owner of uh, American Steel Detailing as well. That's correct. All right, let's start it off, Doug. What what are you drinking today? Today I'm drinking Jameson. It is March. Um, it's St. Patty's Day, and so I thought we'd go with an Irish whiskey. Um, everybody knows the Jamesons. Mm -hmm. I'm not fooling anybody on that flavor. So, what do you got today? Um, I'm drinking Basil Hayden's. Oh. And I'm going to be honest. I kind of bought it for the bottle. I was intrigued. <laughs> the paper on it is pretty. <laughs> yeah, it's just it was an interesting packaging. I'll, let's see what this tastes like. Uh, Ryan, what do you got? Anything uh, interesting there? Nothing, nothing fancy over here. Just, uh, just, uh, just some water, really. To be honest with you, uh, you know, I'll, I'll get to your guys's level soon enough. Yeah, you're making <laughs> us look bad, Ryan. Well, what's your favorite whiskey? <laughs> yeah, let's go there. What's your... mm, to be honest, uh, I I'd probably, I'd probably say Jameson too. I mean, I don't know. It's pretty, pretty legit. And you're located in Ohio, correct? That's correct. All right. So let's let's start off talking a little bit about the NISD. Uh, maybe start off with kind of your guys' mission in the industry, and uh, we can go from there. Yeah. I mean, uh, the NISD, um, you know, is an organization that was obviously created to kind of bring together, um, you know, the detailers of the of, of the U.S. and obviously even beyond that at this point. Um, so the kind of the big mission is to uh, kind of help and, and support um, um, other detailers within the organization and to kind of um, propagate uh, the, the detailing uh, throughout, you know, the, the, the U.S. And, and the world, really. So what are the big initiatives? Like uh, every year associations uh, have things they want to accomplish. What are the big initiatives for NISD this year? Like what are they trying to to get done this year? And what are the things they'd like to see happen in our industry? Sure. No, that's a, that's a, that's a good question. Um, one of the, one of the big things that uh, the NISD has really been um, trying to uh um, expand um, has been, you know, always our, our membership and bringing more people on board and and helping people uh, understand what the organization can uh, can provide and help people advance in their in their careers as as detailers. But um, but also we have the individual detailer certification, um, and uh, and we're currently working on a uh, a training program too to kind of help propel and bring. Uh, new detailers into the industry. And so the need to bring detailers into the industry, maybe we'll talk about American Steel Detailing. Uh, that's the company you own. How many detailers do you have right now? Well, we have, uh, we have 24 people total in our company, and obviously the vast majority of those are detailers, you know, checkers and product managers, all that have 
detailing experience and detailing background. I mean, everybody who's a checker or product manager or, you know, even me doing some of the sales and estimating side, we all started in detailing and that's our, you know, our, our baseline skill set. So, so you guys are doing outstanding and, and growing and getting all these projects and say, hey, you know what, we got to hire. What does that look like? What does that, that detailer landscape look like out there in the industry? Yeah, I mean, there's a detailers. I always say, you know, you know, a detailing uh, company. It's not like uh, a chain restaurant. You know, I mean, it's not like we're around every corner. Um, you know, it's a very, uh, uh, very skill-intensive, experience-intensive um, discipline. And uh, for uh, for us to hire people, um, whether it be someone completely new to the industry or somebody experienced. Um, you know, any way you look at it, uh, especially for people new to the industry, it takes a lot of time to, to train and bring someone in. It takes someone, uh, you know, special um, to, to really um, to succeed in the end. But it is a very rewarding, obviously, career path. The detailers are very high in demand. Um, and um, if you can uh, get into the industry and learn and push yourself, I mean, you're talking up a lifelong career. So how hard it is to find a detailer, and that and that's kind of to the same point. But so you're looking for a detailer. How far do you have to reach? Where do you have to go to to find uh, capable talent? Yeah, I mean, uh, it can be it can be challenging. You know, there's a there's a wide array of experience, and um, but uh, to answer your question more pointedly, I mean, a lot of the stuff that we're doing is kind of uh, more on the networking side, you know, reaching out to people on LinkedIn or somebody that knows somebody or, um, or a lot of it is us hiring people right out of trade schools, you know, right out of um, <clears throat> community colleges or college or um, a local career center. We've had a lot of success for with uh, getting young people out of right out of high school to train them as detailers. Um, so that's kind of been our primary um cool as far as uh, training people from the ground up. Yeah, and I've heard. I was going to ask a question. So how long does it take to train someone that comes out of a community college or high school? Like, does that take six months, two years? Yeah, I mean, there's there's different levels of what you would call, uh, what we would, what we would call different levels of, you know, expertise. I mean, for someone to somewhat stand on their own where you're not sitting over at their desk, uh, basically showing them through it. I mean, you're talking definitely a, a couple months, two to three months to get them to where you could kind of sit them down on a project and uh, have them go through it to, without a whole lot of hand-holding. But to get someone really experienced and to really be able to stand on their own, um, you know, at least a base level of a year. But in our consideration, I mean, you're not experienced in detailing until you're at three to five years probably. Okay. I've, I've found detailing to be, and I don't say it's the last apprenticeship, but it's certainly apprenticeship uh, because there's not a lot of people that teach it. And so it takes people like yourself um, and then having NISD as, a, as that organization to help you further people down a career path. What, what kind of documentation or training tools does NISD provide? Well, the NISD, you know, 
there is uh, there is some training videos. The AISC and ISD had a joint, uh, you know, training videos that they that they had. They're a little outdated at those at this point, but you know, those are definitely a good base for someone to start to understand um, a little bit about the industry and what what's uh, what's going on. I think they're available on the AISC's website. Um, you know, they're a little dated, but in the end, you know, we always say the steel industry is slow to change. I mean, they're still bolting welding out there like they did 30 years ago. So a lot of that hasn't changed. We're using newer, uh, newer software and some of the processes and are, are, are different. But at the end of the day, we're still producing shop drawings and erection drawings. Um, so with the NISD, also, we're working on the, like I mentioned before, the, a training program where we can take someone who wants to learn detailing and uh, and teach them detail. Because there's there's a there is a definition between um, learning detailing and learning the detailing software. You know, there is there is a line there, of course. Um, and uh, when anyone's starting in detailing, even the young bucks that we that we hire, they haven't. Uh, especially difficult because they have to learn two things. They got to learn, you know, the software and how to draw it and then the actual uh, craft of detailing itself. So there's two questions I have. So let's say you're at a party, someone asks you, hey, you're a detailer, what is it? But then if you're you're talking to a young buck, an 18-year-old man or woman, and you have to say, this is what detailing is, what are the two answers? What is, what is steel detailer? I mean, what is it? Yeah, what is steel detailing? Of course, whenever, as you can imagine, whenever someone asks that, nobody's heard of steel detailing before, and that's a blessing and a curse within the industry. That's maybe one reason why uh, you know it, it's tougher sometimes to find people because there's not that many of us out there at the end of the day. But um, you know, what is steel detailing? And we take the uh, the drawings, the structural and architectural drawings from the architect and the structural engineer, and we create the actual detailed shop drawings and erection drawings for the fabricator to actually cut the beams, punch the holes, weld everything together, and put it on a truck and ship it out to the site. And then they use the erector, uses the erection drawings to actually put the whole structure together like an erector basically. Yeah, and so that's the answer that I would give in uh, in the party when someone says, what do you do? But then when you're explaining it to someone coming in the industry, now you're talking more managing data. I've seen in my career here working with detailers um, all over the world, the, the pressure put on you, um, it, it used to be just drawing a representation of a beam or a column and maybe some erection drawings. But can you explain some of the additional stuff, you know, the CNC and the bill of material reporting and the, the you know, all the other oh, stuff oh, now yeah. that has creeped, crept into the world? Yeah, it's, it's a different world now than it used to be. I mean, I'm a younger guy, but, you know, 30 years ago when stuff was drawn by hand, uh, you know, you used to, like I said, used to have drawings, they'd drawn by hand, they'd ship them out, you had two weeks for them to ship and two weeks for them to get marked up and two weeks for, the, weeks for them to get back. I mean, that's not the case anymore. It's not only just drawings, like you said. I mean, there's, um, you know, CNC files that we have to obviously provide so that the automated equipment in the shop can do it, reports so that they can uh, 
you know, order or the material, um, you know, and just the management of the day-to-day data. I mean, our our office is fully electronic. I mean, we're not using paper drawings anymore. And a lot of detailing firms and a lot of fabricators or erectors, a lot of people are trying to cut down on the paper. So there's a lot more technology involved within that too with, um, you know, cloud services and, and other things like that. Uh, so I was going to ask then with your training at NISD, is the training more about the drawings and the production of it, or does it branch out into some of these other areas? No, I think it's about, you know, the start to finish process of detailing and understanding not only a project, but the industry and understanding where detailers fit in, you know, what, what we're providing to the industry. Um, and, um, yeah, all those other other pieces that are along with it. It's not it's not just about the drawings anymore. Of course, it, there's a lot more uh, involved in that. And communication is a big thing. I mean, um, most detailers are are not right next door to fabricators or erectors or GCs or whoever they're working for. You know, so for, uh, being able to work remotely in today's day and age, you know, comes with a couple extra caveats of making sure the communication and follow-up and product management and, and all that is is done uh, to uh, to fruition on project. And so that leads me to a couple items. Um, one of them being how important a detailer is in the project. Um, and that when you get design drawings, that there may be some ambiguity, like that there's some design intent, there's some structural intent, but maybe it we, we don't know how to fabricate it and that you've got to figure it out. So you got that level. And then, so how do you work through that? And then follow up to that is, have you ever been involved as an early, you know, kind of early fabricator involvement or early design involvement where that you've got included in some of that design spec? Kind of explain how that, the RFI process versus being included early, how that impacts your ability to be a steel detailer? Sure. No, I mean, those are all very good points, obviously. And um, yeah, I mean, obviously, I'm a little biased saying that uh, I think detailers are really important, but there's obviously truth behind that statement anyway, anyway you look at it. And there are a lot of uh, things that have to be worked through on the design drawings, but you know, maybe you've heard the term design intent, you know, it's like, we intended to be this way. Maybe it's not perfectly drawn this way or that way. Um, so there's a there's a certain amount of um, of filling the gaps, and that's why having and working with experienced detailers and bringing other people up to an experienced level is is so important to fill in those those gaps and those holes to make sure that the project is successful, uh, you know, start to finish. Have you been a, have you been involved in a project early where you've got to do some design? Yeah, and absolutely. And you know what? In my opinion, I would love I would love it if every single project we worked on, we were right next to the you know the architect and engineer when when it got to the point to where we could start giving some effective input. It's so much more efficient in my mind for us to talk directly with the design team. Um, a lot of the situations, it's not like that. There's a chain of command and a flow for, for a reason uh, in some of that. But, you know, in my mind, I think about 
a lot of the questions that we need answers, depending on, you know, where we're represented, we're kind of, details are stuck in the middle. We're stuck in the middle between we're kind of close to the engineering side, but then we're also, you know, kind of close to the fabrication side. So we're like, we're the translator in the middle between the design team and it actually getting built. So a lot of our questions and our advice, yes, it's stuff that we want to ask the fabricator, but some of this stuff um, needs to be asked to the design team. And, you know, some of the, the hops of, uh, I would say, the telephone game, they get an RFI asked and answered all the way through the design team. You know, a lot of that is really slow. As opposed to us being able to just call up an, an engineer and say, hey, is this what you wanted to do? Is this your thought? Are you good with that? All right, well, cool. we'll follow up with an email. And we have been in projects like that, and we really try and push that more and more. Um, because it's just streamlines uh, the heck out of, uh, out of everything. Yeah, and you left out the erector part of it because you got to figure that out, delivery and and all that stuff. But well, yeah, I said, yeah, it's more than the fabricator, the yeah. fabricator, the erector, general contractor, other trades. You know, you got people laying bricks and CMU and, and concrete, and you know, there's a lot of that. I mean, you know, every single, most pieces of the building are somewhat attached or or, or affected by the the structural shell and the miscellaneous shell of the building. So all that stuff, uh, trades were, were very uh, interdependent on each other. So can you give me just like a specific example of how being involved early saved the project time and money? Like in just an example of yeah. the project that you've done. Give me a, like a specific example. Sure. I mean, there's a there's a project that we're working on in, in our office here right now. Um Maybe you guys have heard of the IPD model, mm-hmm. uh, independent or integrated project delivery. Absolutely. Um, and in that project type, everybody's on board. Everyone's at the same table. And it's nice because we can get into the look at the design drawing, see what's going on with that, and have feedback on the project early on before the structural drawings are even necessarily 100% of the architectural drawings are 100%. So we can provide feedback to the rest of the team we have been able to on this project say, hey, let's do that this way. A specific example I think about is, um, you know, there's a, there was a, uh, on this project, there were some tilt walls and there was embeds in the tilt walls. Um, a, a common thing that we run into is that on a lot of projects, the tilt wall manufacturer has to draw the tilt walls and the embeds in there. And then we also have to draw it so the fabricator can um so they can pick up and, and figure out what place they need and then ship it over to the, uh, the precast guys. Right. Or, I mean, the tilt wall guys. So we were able to figure out a way of like, hey, you know what, that's kind of drawing them twice. Can we, you know, you model this in or we model that part in and then uh, we'll just share models, you know what I mean? And we're drawing it once, you know, at the end of the day, we didn't have to make up all the tilt up drawings, which on this project, it's not small. We're talking about saving weeks of time. Um, for that process and you know embeds are the first thing that need to be done on our project so it really kind of helped accelerate that in general by us being able to coordinate and work together on that yeah that's outstanding and that's exactly what technology is supposed to do in our industry having an experienced detailer yeah. early involved in the in, and, and it can save time and money on the project yeah so i've got a question uh you mentioned that you're trying to get involved in more projects like that do you seek those out? Are you convincing engineers and architects to let you be involved earlier? Or what does that process look like to get yourself 
earlier in in the group earlier on and helping making those sure. decisions. A lot of it's dependent on, like I said, the you know the architect and engineer. I mean, a lot of times it it it's the money flows thing. I think that's uh, unfortunately some of the problem is on that side why some projects do it and some projects don't. It's it's whether or not they can convince to kind of push the responsibility down the table. Uh, on a traditional project, they're like, let's push connection design off and the EUR won't do that. Let's push, um, you know, the the some of these problems and questions and stuff, maybe we'll push that off on the detail of the fabricator figure out, uh, as opposed to getting everyone in to kind of figure those out together. Mm-hmm. Now, how are we trying to tackle that? I mean, there's some stuff where we try and um, where we've been approached to have an engineer, uh, you know, work with an engineer that we work with, do the design, we'll do the detailing. Uh, and, you know, going back to Doug's question before, that's another great example where in a traditional job, you have to have the structural engineer draw it, then we draw it for the erection drawings. And it's like you're kind of drawing the same thing twice. You know, if you can get an engineer on board and you have a product to where the shop, the erection drawings are the design drawings, it's like you're drawing it you're streamlining, you're taking out that entire drafting process and it's so much more efficient. So we try and uh, work with clients that we have, uh, any opportunity they get to get someone come through the door. Um, and, you know, I have talked to other uh, engineering firms about that also. And um, once again, I think they're totally on board. A lot of it, a lot of them are. It's a matter of getting, um, I think, the owners and the architects um, and the rest of the people on the team to understand uh, why it's why it's so impactful? Yeah, it's it's something I call the golden rule. He who has the gold makes the rules. <laughs> so, um, yeah. is NISD doing anything in that regard? So, is NISD have a campaign or any kind of messaging that they can give the industry to say, "Hey, include us earlier"? Sure, that's a good question. Um, at, at this point, I don't think we have any campaign directed to that but um i think it's a it's a good idea of something that we should uh, consider uh um, trying to increase exposure about specifically yes. yeah so i've been involved with aisc in their early fabricator involvement then a lot of uh traveled the country pre-covid um doing those uh seminars and webinars and and meetings with the engineering component and I think that a lot of that special sauce is really the detailers. You know, a lot of what the detailer brings to the table is what early fabricator involvement is, right? You're taking drawings and you're saying, hey, maybe we could fabricate this more efficiently by going, instead of using four different plate sizes, let's use two, you know, and, and, and kind of doing some smart fabrication. But the detailer's doing a lot of that. So it's really, NISD, I think, has an opportunity there to to go to the industry and say, hey, early early involvement of our trade could help projects save time and money. Yeah, absolutely. I think you're 100% right on that. So with your uh, IDC certification, as you're training individual detailers, uh, wh- what does that process look like to get certified as a detailer if I want to be NISD certified? Sure. Yeah. I mean, the IDC test, um, you know, it's, uh, you know, I'll just say it's no joke. It's worth its weight. I mean, uh, 
I think you could talk to any uh, IDC certified detailer and say that uh, that any proverbial uh, geek off the street can can pass the test. I mean, uh, you really have to know your stuff uh, to basically pass it. And there's two classes uh, of, of tests. You take one test, and depending on how you score, uh, you could obviously either not pass the test. You can get uh, the uh, class two or the class one basically so depending on um you know how how you score on it is basically how you end up uh, which certification level you now mm -hmm. to take the actual test uh the nisd.org website there's a uh, specific criteria that are needed to actually even take the test initially um some of it requires referral letters um basically to um show that you're ready to take the test um you know you have to have a certain number of years of industry experience in order to take it um and uh you know it's a it's a, a proctored test i mean in the past it used to be like you had to take it at a library or something like that but now we've integrated a new way to do video proctoring so someone could be at their home office taking the test and, and like i said the test is uh it is rigorous you know it's uh, i think you get up to potentially six to eight hours to take it so it could be an all-day thing depending on uh the speed of you moving through it but uh you know it's it's uh it's the real deal so you've got to talk to the 20 year old ryan wonderly or some 20 year old individual and say hey this is steel detailing why why should we get into it what what's the what's the draw to the industry and what what kind of lifestyle can you have and explain that you know we, we we need obviously need people into this industry and it's it's a it's a great industry so you tell them give them the sales pitch as an nisd member uh tell them why we should get into steel detail yeah no i mean steel detailing this is why you should get into detailing if you're looking for a a long rewarding career uh that is challenging and uh variant and different uh, uh that's uh detailing could be could be a place for you i mean uh you think you drive drive down the road how many uh in general how many buildings <laughs> structures are the same i mean everything is different everything is is custom to some extent so it's never the same thing twice that's very refreshing you know, the other thing is obviously there's there's a lot of opportunities for growth. There's a lot of people that are in, um, you know, adjunct uh, industries, uh, you know, or you know, within fabricators, directors, other things like that that started their their career on the detailing side. And uh, you know, I think the the level of knowledge and experience about the steel industry that you get from detailing because it's so close to fabrication, erection, engineering, you know, architectural, you know, you're really getting a big rounded exposure. Um, you know, it's, it's a great career path to be in and it's hugely in demand. I mean, it's, it's not going away uh, unless they start making <laughs> structures out of uh, paper or plastic, which isn't going to happen realistically. I mean, yeah. the steel industry is here today and, and detailing is the same way. Yeah, and, and I would say, um, and I've been doing this 30 years, that when, when we have a, a real professional structural steel detailer, it doesn't matter the room, whether I'm in an engineering, an architect, a fabricator room, 
if you've got a, a steel detailer that knows and is very professional, he's the most respected person in that room because he knows so much, so many aspects of this industry. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I mean, that's why we mentioned, like I said, uh, you know, three to five years for you to get really well rounded. I mean, me personally, I would say, yeah, it was around the five year mark of me working at a detailing firm doing every any project type under the sun before I really started to kind of click all the wheels. And then you talk to people, you know, Doug, I'm sure, you know, both of you uh, um, know that, uh, know a lot of detailers and people that have been doing it for 20 or 30 years. I mean, there's a joke in the industry that <laughs> People die on the board. They detail till they die. I mean, they just don't leave. They don't retire. They, they I know seventy-year-old detailers. And you know, it's uh, it's it's there's a reason for that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And uh, to kind of go back to the detailing certification, the IDC, we've been tossing around different ways to build out our power user program for SDS two. You know, we've got our detailer badge. Uh, but we also want to have like a power user badge. And so one of the things that we're toying with is, you know, if you've got your certificate, that's checks one of the boxes of, you know, maybe five or six different options it would take for you to get your SDS2 power user badge. Because obviously if you can pass that test and get a certification, then you know detailing. Then the other pieces yeah. you just have to put together. Yeah, sure. SDS2. Mm -hmm. Well, Ryan, uh, appreciate having you. I, I appreciate you taking time. Uh, America Steel Detailing is a great company, and uh, being part of NISD is a, a testament to your commitment to the industry. So thank you for coming. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, appreciate you uh, both having having me on, and uh, glad I was able to, to talk a little bit about uh, the industry. And uh, you know, I think we're we're all here to stay, and here and. Uh, love to do anything we can to keep helping growing uh growing the detailing industry and the steel industry as a whole sure so thanks for listening everybody to another edition of steel and whiskey i am doug evans and i'm michelle mccarthy and we're signing off have a great time everyone